You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan. Dennis Dick with you this morning on today's show. We've got the CFO of Workhorse, Steve Strader, joining us in about uh, 35 minutes or so. He'll stop by at 8.35 to hang out with us for a few. But before that, we've got to talk about Tesla. How could we not? What a move yesterday. We'll talk about just the rally in big tech as a whole. Uh, we do have some headlines propping us up here this morning. Thank you very much, European Union, for that uh, relief package. We've got some retail trading up thanks to Hibbit Sports. Uh, pretty much green across the board. I'll throw it to Joel now. Joel, you, I, you'd say the same thing, right? We're pretty much green across the board, right? I mean, we've got IBM earnings. You've got Coke earnings, but green on the screen. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, looking at uh, my front page here, and I don't have one issue in the red. Uh, actually, Procter & Gamble is the worst performer. That's up 36 cents. Uh, S&P is trading up 24.75 handles at 32.70. We were already moving north, and then you got that $2 trillion stimulus package out of Europe. That accelerated the move. No daily highs in here for you folks. Uh, the next daily high, and we kind of go back to February 24th. This is the rolling front month contract. Let me uh, share my screen with you so I can perfectly illustrate what I'm talking about uh, on the daily charts. Uh, not a daily high until, as I said, that would be February 24th. We hit 32.90 and a quarter. We're back up in this area. Uh, contributing to the rally is crude. We had talked about crude being in that training range consolidation, now breaking out to the upside, up a buck 14, 42.06. That's going to help all the uh, stocks in the energy sector. Gold uh, distancing itself from 1,800, finally broke up. Broke out up twelve dollars and thirty cents at eighteen twenty nine eighty. And silver, who cares about twenty? 
We're at 21. We're over $21 in silver, up 81 cents, 4% silver, playing some catch up. And Bitcoin doesn't want to be left out of the rally. That's up 2.39%, Once again, finding support at the $9,000 level. When's Bitcoin going to do something? This is set between, they talked about how volatile this thing, this is way less volatile than the overall market. We've been between 9,000 and 10,000 here. There it is. Two months. I guess support, support, right? 9,000. So maybe you just like play the range, 9,000 to 10,000. That chart's pretty well defined. Yep, it is. And it's been doing that for quite some time. I don't know what this, you know, what, what's the catalyst going to be? I thought COVID was going to be the catalyst, but that didn't materialize. Obviously, in March, it tanked with the overall market. So, you know, you look at that chart, and then you bring up the spy chart against it, and it kind of looks the same in the last three months. You had the tank in March, and they came all the way back, and now it's just, you know, hovering right below all-time lows. Those charts look the same. So for those people who say Bitcoin doesn't have any correlation to the market whatsoever, kind of doesn't last three months. Kind of does. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, before we move on to a lot of earnings and the uh, $2 trillion stimulus package, uh, we got a question um, on our YouTube page, a reply, and uh, they asked what a handle is, right? And um, we use a lot of terms on the show. If we ever have a term that you're not familiar with or whatever, just pop it in one of the several chats and we'll answer for you. But when I talk about a handle, uh, for me, S&Ps are at 32.70. So if it goes to 32.71, that would be one handle. And then if, you know, if I say, you know, we've been in a, you know, 10 handle range, that would be 32.70 to 32.80. It's really nothing based on the charts. It's just kind of like, I, Dennis, it's the number we, before the decimal. Yeah, good point. So yep. We're just the number before the decimal. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking handle. So Bank America trading in the 23 handle, the number before the decimal, 23.87. So when Joel's talking handle, it means the next number, you know, going up to the next handle would be the 24 handle for Bank America. So, you know, it's it, it, it it's from the floor, I think, originally, really. We're talking handles all the time. But, I mean, that's the markets. It's the number before the decimal. Simple way to put it. And uh, also, like any other terms, like, uh, like you know, we say numbers at the point, you know, or the whole number, you know, obviously, that would be, you know, 24 in Bank America. But but anyways, you know, just just be cognizant of that. If you have any questions along those lines, just pop them into the chat. But uh, boy, what, what, what do we do first? The $2 trillion package out of Europe? Or do it's all we just do good news or- all the time. Because good news is good news and bad news is good news and it's just all good news all the time. So party, yeah, we got a we got a stimulus package coming. Let's start there. Let's start because over in Europe news. because Europe's been open for a few hours. Mr. Israel, what's up? We got an $858 billion uh, relief fund from the EU that gives uh, the, that gives the body about uh, just about $2 trillion in spending power. Uh, they're coming to the rescue. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's they've been at the table for what five six days now trying to hammer this thing out, and they got it. So I guess uh, now it's our turn. Maybe I don't know. It's a nice pop over in, in Europe. You're seeing, you know, if you just want to bring up some ETFs to track closely, sure. EFA, IEFA. But actually, an IEFA. Don't look at that sixty two sixty print because that's out, out to lunch. Look at EFA right now, up point eight percent. So you're getting a pop. 
They're getting a pop over in Europe, and that is following over here. But we also have vaccine headlines driving us over here as well. So Europe helps, but we've got two, another two positive data points from two separate companies on vaccine news. And we know every time we get a vaccine headline, it seems like we rallied 250 points. I had a fun tweet this morning there, just tweeting it out. Uh, a little bit of a joke, but a little bit of reality here too for the bears. I mean, we we seem to pop every time we get a major vaccine, you know, coming out a company. Uh, we seem to pop about 250 Dow points on the positive data, and we have been getting positive data points a lot of them lately, like two of them from smaller companies here today, which we'll get them IMRN and IFRX. But we've been getting Novavax and AstraZeneca and Pfizer and Moderna. And we you know it seems like every week we get at least two or three of these positive data points. So the fun tweet was 250 points. We get three positive data points a week. That's 750 Dow points a week. We got 24 points left in this year. That equals 18,000 Dow points by the end of the year if we just keep riding the vaccine train. And that would put us at just around roughly Dow 45,000 by the end of the year. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other factors, a lot of other things involved in that. But if you're sitting here and you're like, well, COVID's going to come to roost eventually, and I was in that camp for a long time, um, it's not happening. And you've got to admit when you're wrong and you've got to move on. It's why I've been adding stocks to my portfolio on the, on the pullbacks. It's why I've been biased long here in my trading account for a long time. It's why I haven't been taking any shorts. And there is certain sectors that are obviously outperforming and certain sectors that are underperforming. We know the reopening stocks like the Boeings and the airlines have been underperforming. But just when you look at just the overall market and look at the S&P, and every time we get the positive data point on the vaccine, we seem to rally significantly. It's hard to be bare. And so if you look, if you look at the virus too, number of confirmed cases has been going up basically for five weeks now. But yes. we talked about this too. The number of deaths, yes, it's gone up, but it really hasn't gone up with the same sort of speed as the confirmed cases. So it would support the narrative that it, it is at least partly the result of more testing. The, the daily death rate, uh, we've really been constant more or less for yes. since, since May, since the end of May, early June. We, so, we talked about this last week. It's, um, a, a, I think, a couple of factors involved. One, we're getting to know the virus better. We're getting to know the therapies that help along. We're getting maybe to identify. And obviously, that's a good thing. Less people are dying than before, at least on a percentage basis. So that's good news. I also think you have a lot of younger people being infected now. And, you know, and obviously younger people are going to fare more well with this virus. So, you know, looking at it and we were popping around a six or 7% death rate before we've sat on the show for a long time, it was going to be significantly less than that. You know, we were guessing somewhere between one and two because we knew we were missing just a ton of cases. Um, but maybe we're going to be under 1%, you know, on the death rate on this thing. And then it starts to look not nearly as scary. So in any regard here, um, we're traders and we're talking trading and the market is not scared of COVID really whatsoever. It is scared on certain stocks and Kevin O'Leary making some fantastic points. Um, love him or hate him. You know, he makes good points sometimes. And obviously, you know, I, I like Kevin O'Leary and uh, he was making some good points on CNBC this morning. He was just talking about how, you know, other businesses have picked up the slack. Obviously, these businesses have really suffered. You know, and, and consumers have changed in the way they do things. We talked about the Zoom meeting and the merger that, you know, happened, you know, two weeks ago, which was all done over the internet and nobody met in person. So it means people, business travel is probably going to be permanently impaired. 
means there's gonna be less people flying um, from a business perspective. I also people think there's, there's people who are finding different fun ways. We know Winnebago has had a fantastic run here because people are buying you know, the campers and doing more camping, they're doing different things. They're getting outdoors more. So, you know, they might do that and they might say, hey, I kind of like this. You know, this is kind of an alternative to just going to a hotel. So if you really look at, you know, what is being impacted permanently, obviously airlines are a no-brainer. You can think, you know, that's, you know, something that is going to be down for a long, long time. You can see the stocks. They just don't rally. I mean, this has been an impressive, you know, last month for the S&P. We went from 300 to 324. So you're talking, you know, roughly an 8 to 9% move in that S&P. And that same time period in the, in the last month, Boeing is down. American Airlines is down. You know, UAL is down. Carnival Cruise Lines is down. Norwegian is down. So you can see, you know, what has been carrying us. It's been the tech trade and it carried us yesterday. So you're seeing rotation into those businesses, those companies that aren't impaired by consumer not consumers not congregating as much. So it's something to think about. I mean, you know, are we going to go back to the way we were be, before January? In a lot of businesses, yes. But in some businesses, no. And I think if you're looking at stuff to buy, you've got to be buying those businesses that are not going to have permanent uh, decline in their businesses because the consumer habits changing. Uh, would you say Tesla is one of those? <laughs> I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean, people are, you know, for, you know, and Tesla is obviously that's a whole different story. You know, Tesla is its own stock. It does its own thing. And we're going to move to Tesla. We can move there right now if you want, because sure. Spencer, you made a fantastic call on Tesla yesterday. We were talking about setups and you're like, don't laugh at me, but I kind of like the setup in Tesla. And then we set up the trade for you on the show. So great eye, Mr. Israel. We set up the trade, and I'm kicking myself because I did not do this trade. I almost did, but, um, you know, that's a story in itself. But, you know, I set it up that I was saying, hey, maybe it gets down near yesterday's low, which was 1490. Maybe you take a flyer and you stop yourself out at the low of the move, which is 1431. So, you know, risking 60 or 70 points, depending on where you bought it, looking for the pre-earnings run. We had the catalyst. All the ducks were in a row on Tesla. We had the catalyst of the earnings coming up on Wednesday. We had the nice setup with the consolidation station and that's when you strike. And you know, we talked about this on the show and hopefully some people in the chat and hopefully some people listeners took the trade because Mr. Israel, you were spot on. Tesla ended up running 150 points yesterday. It's tacking on another 40 points here this morning. So, and you know, it's looking, you know, like, hey, you know, you've got another full two days before it reports Wednesday night. This thing could make all time highs before Wednesday night. So. Impressive move for Tesla. It was a nice setup. I wish I would have took the trade. Like I said, I almost took the trade, but I got sidetracked. And then I, I just didn't want to babysit Tesla because like I said, Tesla takes a lot of mental capacity to stay in a Tesla trade because it's such a volatile stock. Uh, but it, the setup was there and it went. So congratulations to those who took the trade and a nice call by Mr. Israel. Pretty simple, Dennis. I know you ended up uh, canceling the trade, but, uh, you know, we try and keep the technicals. I mean, you don't see a lot of fancy lines on here. You don't see moving averages. What we like to concentrate on daily highs and lows. Uh, two closes in the same area from Tesla on Thursday and Friday, just above 1,500. Uh, you, had, um, you had a down day uh, 
on on uh, Thursday, decent volume, but on Friday the volume fell under 10 million shares, 1490 low, 1584 at close. I mean, when you're looking at it, and Dennis, I think you said you were out there at 1491. I had my real- order, so if you want to know the backs, I had my order at 1491 because I said I, if it gets, I was like. I said on the show, maybe I'm going to try this trade for a swing trade. I had my order sitting out there to buy at a 1491, which was a dollar above the previous day's low. And um, it got to about 845, 850, and I wasn't filled on it yet. And then I had some stuff to do. And I was like, I don't want to babysit this because I know Tesla. I was out of all my other trades. I had no other trades on at the time. And I was like, I don't want to babysit. I was like, I could buy it and put a stop on it. But Tesla, you know, as a one, I'd be checking my phone all day on it. And I had a lot of things to do. We're, we're, we're doing a lot of different things right now on a personal level. So I had a busy day for a few hours and I just didn't want to deal with Tesla. And I canceled the order for that reason. Bad reason. I should have just let the trade manage itself, left the order there, put the stop in and left. So learning experience for me, I didn't do that. And obviously I probably would have been filled because it traded down to 1489 and then ran and ran and ran. So I looked at it all day running anyways. And I was like, wow, I screwed up. Not right, like this, so, it's not like I took my own advice either. So no, no, we don't take. <laughs> that is, don't advice. look at the screen. <laughs> we don't man. have ninety percent of the time. We you know we can't do every trade we talk about. So, but <laughs> I, I, I had the order out there, Mister Israel. And it was sitting out there to buy, and I canceled it like five minutes before it got filled. Maybe Shut I would never got filled, but I probably would have. Yeah, I don't I trade two would. points below my price. Well, yeah. I probably would have been filled. Set it and forget it. If you want to do it, I mean, you know, this is swing trading and you put your stop in and then you, know, you go on and you move on with the day. I talked myself out of it somehow. I canceled it. And it got filled in the first 20 minutes. I was like, wow, if it starts tanking now, I don't know if I want it. And it just went down enough just that it would have got me. And then it turned. It, tur- it stopped down there all morning. It didn't turn till about noon. And then it started ripping. If you look at that, you know, daily chart or if you look at the intraday chart, it sat down between like 1490 and 1500 for like two hours. And then it started ripping. So I don't know if there was a headline. I know somebody was saying something with the electric deliveries expecting to be higher. Maybe set a record. Somebody, you know, maybe had some positive commentary because it really blasted off then. But, you know, really it was the techs. Everything tech went yesterday. And let's maybe move on to some other tech stocks because it wasn't just Tesla running. Everything tech was running yesterday in the afternoon. All right, tech, tech earnings. Let's go to, to Beamer. And, and you know what? I, you go to IBM. I don't even consider IBM a tech stock. Um, it, yes, it is, but it's not like the Momo techs. <laughs> IBM is this value, you know, yeah, it's having a pop here, but, you know, is this the stock's going to blast off to 200 with the, when, you know, the NASDAQ continues to run? Probably not. You know, it's a very small portion of the indexes now because it's really done nothing. I mean, IBM, Think about IBM, and we can do the IBM earnings now, but um, think about what this has done. Bring up the monthly chart. and Think about what IBM has done in the last six to seven years. From $200 in 2014 to $133 now, even with the earnings pop. And you think about the other you know, tech in the same time period. The NASDAQ back in 2014, the QQQ was $84. It's now 266 So your average tech stock has tripled over the same time period that IBM has lost 33% of its value. It's a stock that I don't want to own long-term because it's just been a perennial underperformer. Are they eventually going to figure it out? I thought they were going to figure it out back in 2017. I tried on a flyer and I was wrong. And I was like, you know what? 
You buy stocks that are on uptrends and you sell stocks that are in downtrends and you sell them on the pops. I would actually, I don't even care what the earnings look like. I just know IBM. I don't want to be long IBM. Well, I'll so tell you, I'll tell you the numbers. Right. I'll tell you that they beat and they beat. How about that? It's good. Beat, good beat. news. But it's are they, they growing? Do, it all the do they do it all the time though? Don't they, Spencer? I mean, I don't have the- uh, They're hated. I, 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 don't, I don't have the no. probe. They, they, don't they beat every single quarter? They beat what the IBM product do you use, Joel? Spencer, what IBM product do you use? Um, the Weather Channel. Is there any, like in the chat? <laughs> what IBM products do you use? I'm sure I, I indirectly they own, they we own use that, some. Right? They, they own the sure Weather Channel. Yeah. I pull it up. Yeah, I'm using IBM right now. Uh, Watson. I use Watson a lot. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> answer your question. I don't know. It, it, maybe indirectly we use some, but you think about, okay, NVIDIA chips. Okay, we use chips for everything. Chips are just everywhere. I mean, you think about Apple. I'm looking at multiple Apple products sitting on my desk here right now. Um, you think about Amazon. I have Amazon packages showing up at my door every single day. Um, you think about Microsoft. Microsoft is in everything, you know, obviously as well involved, you know. And then obviously the gaming market is huge for Microsoft too. So, and then you think about IBM, it's like, why do I use IBM for? Sometimes just thinking about that, and yes, they have Red Hat, and they were trying, you know, but, but that goes to show you, they had to pay way up to get growth because they can't internally get the growth themselves. Are they going to figure it out eventually? I hope so. I, you know, like the story of IBM, but I tell you, they have been a perennial underperformer. There's a reason it yields 4.9% because it's been a dog. And this price, stock price has been underperforming forever. And every time IBM has popped up, it has been another selling opportunity. So I'm not buying IBM up six bucks here today because I've been burned doing this before and I'm not going to get burned with it again. Guilty until proven innocent in the case of IBM for me. Uh, nice pop. We've seen this uh, before. You, you did sneak into the 135 handle. 135.23 stands as your pre-market high. I call it your after-hours high. And uh, what I like to see when I'm looking at these after-hour levels are do they coincide with anything? And you know what? It does. You had a high at 135.88. This was on June 8th. So to me, it makes that whole region, you know, if – it can get up to 135. One, I, I look at this 135, 136 area, and if IBM really wants to show that this is going to be up 20 stakes today, you're going to be it's 137 not. bit. I, I, I'm not saying I know, it I is. Know, I know you're not. I, I, I'm just saying, you know, stop, I mean, someday it may, it may rally. But uh, that's what I'm looking at, that 135, 136 zone. Uh, you also had problems there in March. So that, that's the area of control here if you want to be like a Super Bowl. Nice, nice move going into the report here. So I don't know if you're 125, 126, 127, 130 option buyers. Better hold the gains. Yeah. I'll say that, that for, yeah. I bet I'll say that for you know, the people who are, on, are in the bull tree on IBM. It better hold the gains today, and maybe it will. Last earnings report, I felt like, or two earnings report, I felt like it held the gains for a couple of days and then eventually imploded anyways. But bring up the, like, seven-year chart on IBM. I just want to make a point. And this is, you know, really, you know, what swing trading is all about. Bring up the seven-year chart. Go out further than that. That's a two-year chart. So bring up, like, the seven-year chart. There it is. See what I'm talking about? 
take your Jeff Mackey purple crayon and draw a line. One day we'll be able to draw lines. And I know, Mitch, you know, we're talking with you and we're talking with some different people. We need to, you know, start figuring out, you know, how to do more on the charts because um, we want to be able to draw lines. We want to be able to do things. But if you took your Jeff Mackey purple crayon and you drew that line on all those tops there right now, you have a clear downtrend in the last seven years. Selling stocks when they're rallying that are in downtrends usually makes money. And buying stocks that are in clear uptrends when they're dipping usually makes money. So I'm, you know, I've said this, I'm like a broken record around here, but I want to keep pounding it in because of new traders. And we have traders who are seasoned that still try to buy the, you know, the dip on everything. And buying the dip on stocks that are you know, in uptrends usually works. Buying the dip on stocks that are in downtrends sometimes doesn't work and sometimes, you know, and, and a lot of times doesn't work at all. So sell the rip on stocks and downtrends, buy the dip on stocks and uptrends. This is a stock that's in a clear downtrend. I'd be selling the rip just by those rules. Spencer you guys are silent. Learning. Why so quiet today? What about? I'm doing all the talking. What about? Oh, what else what, is new? Well, I'm bringing us back to the original tech conversation, which is just the, the strength of tech yesterday. Excellent. That's where we wanted Facebook, to Facebook, Amazon, Amazon again. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the, the, really, the fang names. Nothing new here. Yeah. As it, it, I, it's just every day is Groundhog Day, but as Dennis said, good news begets more good news begets more good news, uh, and it's just I feel like a broken record. But I mean, tech again. The top the six names in the Nasdaq 100 make up 49% of the index. So the other 94 make up the other 54, and those are obviously Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook. I believe Tesla's number six now, which is impressive, um, and then Google. So you look at all those charts and they all move together. They're all index plays. I mean, Apple looks like it wants, it's held up here long enough that it looks like it's going to break out eventually over 400. So, and maybe today we, we failed at 399.82. We had an ugly day for tech for two days. You know, the, the tech wreck lasted 24 hours and then we bounced back and then we've been in consolidation station for a couple of days before everybody decided we got to jump back into the tech trade. Amazon was down for a couple of days farther than that. You know, it really had an ugly week. But it gets, you know, two-thirds of the losses back yesterday. And now it's tacking on another 60 points this morning. So there you are. You know, Amazon pulls back 10% and gets back 7 or 8% of it in 24 hours. Tesla, we know the Tesla story. I think it's probably making new all-time highs before the earnings report. I don't see why not. I mean, 16A2. The bloody stock is downgraded today, and it's still up 40 points. So it just goes to show just how much love is in there. And people are excited. Would I hold it through the earnings report? Not if I was a short-term trader. Uh, but if you're a long-term investor like Jason Rasnick, you've been in it from 40 bucks, why not? So you know, always, always know your time frame because I get that all the time. Would you hold it through the report? Well, it depends. You know, what am, what am I in this for the next, you know, was I in it for a three-day trade? Was I in it for a three-month trade or was I in it for a three-year trade? You're in it for the three-year trade, you're probably holding it through the report. You're in it for a three-day trade, you're absolutely not holding it through the report. So, you know, there's always that consideration. We set up the trade for yesterday on Tesla. It was to buy around 1500 and sell it Wednesday at 359 right before it reports. So, you know, I say that trade is still on if you've got it. And you're up 100, or you're up, maybe you want to ring some register on someone because you got 183 points in 24 hours, which is a pretty awesome move, 12% move, but off the Spencer Israel call. But yeah, um, I, I, too- I think it could keep going. One thing too is that, uh, and I think I don't know. I think it was Jason said he was thinking of selling uh, his options or whatever. You, I mean, it's a very very simple math here. But you know, let's say you have a you know a sixteen sixteen fifty call, 
right now, and it's trading for sixty bucks. So I mean, you are for? such a, you're 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 selling the thing at at seventeen ten. I mean, you take advantage. You know, look at where you know the expected move is. Look at where your options are. Look at the pricing, because I mean, even if it's up but not up a lot tomorrow or after the earnings, then they're going to, they're going to zap that premium. It all depends how far you're going out. But if you're in the, you know, the weekly or next week, maybe you want to go like the 1800 and you don't mind selling it at 18. Like what's the 1800 call for going for? I bet you it's crazy. I bet you it's a lot more than you think. I bet you it could be like 40 or 50 bucks. That's great for the weekly. All the premiums on these are nuts. I'll, I'll go look right now. Options. Bringing it I, up, the options chain. So it's seventeen hundred. Where where are we looking? We're July twenty fourth, right? Is that the weekly? Yeah. Yeah. So July twenty fourth. I'll have to go. I'm seven, short at forty five. Eighteen hundred calls are going I'm, for seventy dollars. Ooh. Seventy dollars. So you're selling at eighteen seventy if you decide you want to just lock in a little bit and rate one of them. If one hundred shares, you want to write one call against it, sixty-eight dollars and forty-five cents. That was the closing price, Joel. That was oh, when the stock was at sixteen forty-three. The stock's up another forty. So you get ninety bucks, maybe a hundred bucks for the eighteen hundred calls, and you're selling at nineteen hundred. I mean, there's some nice premium. I, I I won't argue with you if you want to play it that way. The way Joel was setting it up, it's a huge premium. I will argue with you if you're buying options. It's such a tough game when you're paying the 1800 calls. You're going to pay 100 bucks for it. That means it's got to go to 1900 for you to break even. It's tough gigs. So there's nice premium there for option writers right now. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, another strategy, you know, taking one out of that uh, book of Nick, let's say, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to sell that call, but you want to lock in some profit, then go to a higher strike. You know, let's say you're long to 1700 and you got a real nice lead on it. Sell the 1750, lock in that premium because, you know, like I said, unless it's up, like, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's 30, 40 bucks and something like that. I don't know what the expected move is, but. Uh, well, they we tell you the expected ways. move. We can tell you the exact expected move. It's easy. How you do the expected move is you add the up straddle. the calls and you add up the puts. It's 250 bucks. It's the expected <laughs> move. You can look at wow, the 1640. So you take the 12 thing you know, right in the middle. So you go 125, 125. So yeah, it's 250 points is the expected move. It's a huge expected move. Dennis, that's a straddle for you to sell. So I, I don't <laughs> like selling straddles because I've been burned before. Remember, I told this story a long time ago. I was selling. I was like, I like this selling straddles. And I did one like success couple, and then I did the Apple. Apple going into earnings, and Apple was trading around five hundred dollars at the time. And this is going back like you know pre the seven for one split, long right? Time like ago, like yeah. literally the day before it, because this is what I got burned on. So, um, so they halt the stock four thirty, and I've got that the straddle written for twenty five bucks. And I was like, you know, because I'm saying, and that's a 5% move on Apple. I don't think it's going to move 5%. And they come out and they blow the number away and they're and it's halted right now. And then they come out with more good news. And then they announce a seven for one stock split. And I go, I am dead, 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 dead. When they announce the seven for one stock split. And I'm like, you know, crawling under my desk looking for cover because I have the straddle written for 25 points. And I'm thinking, you know, Apple closed at 525 and, you know, 550 is my break even. I'm like, man i hope this doesn't go over 600 and it ended up going like 630 or 640 on the open i'm like oh, deep breaths deep breaths and you know and obviously i learned the hard way is that when you do right straddles and they come up with some really excellent news you can actually get burned pretty good 
So anyways, for those 25 points that I took in, I ended up losing 75 points on the trade. So you can lose a lot of money writing straddles as well. So don't always think it's just free money. Um, the case of Tesla, do I think Tesla's going to move 700 points on the earnings? No, but that would be the equivalent to my bad rate. But, you know, 250 points seems like a lot. But sometimes funny things can happen. For the most part, straddle writers in the long run make money. I guess I should have stuck with the strategy, kept writing straddles, writing straddles, and maybe I'd make it back. I know Nick, you know, um, obviously, you know, excellent option writer who we have on the show every other Tuesday um, makes his money, you know, not always writing straddles, but doing different things. But anyways, wrote that straddle, and it was ugly on Apple. You and I haven't do written a lot of straddles since. You, you can do something, too, on the outside, too, right? I don't know if that turns Yeah, to protect yourself. You a can butterfly buy, but I didn't do or something that. like that? Why would no. I do that? I was like, Why I was would... giving up more premium. So Nick, when he's doing it, he'll buy, even when he's buying, you know, selling a, a putt, he'll buy a lower putt to protect himself in the case an event of COVID hits or something crazy goes on and the stock just tanks. It's a smart way to do it. Well, I'm the dumb way to do it. I was flat out, nah, I don't need the other protection. I'm not going 25 points. No, it's not going 25 points. It's going 75 points. <laughs> you can get burned right in straddles, but, you know, protect yourself. There's a lot of smart ways to do it. See Nick Shaheen if you want to know the smart way to do it. See me if you want to know the dumb way to do it. Uh, S&P's pulling off a little bit here. Uh, not much. I mean, six handles off the high. So 73 and quarter looks like a good number so far. All right. We'll be live with uh, the CFO of Workhorse, Steve Schwader, in about four minutes or so. Can we talk the stock? Uh, sure. I, Let's I talk the stock, you know, for two minutes before, because, you know, with the CFO, he probably doesn't want to you know, comment that much on his stock movement. It's more on the fundamentals of the company. But let's talk the stock because uh, we looked at this yesterday. I was on the fence. Like, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I may have got stopped out if I would have put the trade on. I did not put the trade on. It was trading around the $15 area. It was down a little bit. It was in the 40. When we talked about it, it was like 14.90, 15 bucks. It tanked on the open. A lot of the techs got hit in the first 20 minutes yesterday. And that was the washout. And then it bounced right back, consolidated for a couple hours. And when Tesla started to go, Workhorse started to go too. And Workhorse exploded from 14.50 up to over $17. It's now tacking on another 92 cents here this morning. 17.24. Looks like a complete key reversal yesterday there joel because it made a new low on the move and then it made a new high on the uh, compared to the previous day it looks good on the chart here right now actually so i think i'd be a buyer of, pull, of the pullback on workhorse we're going to get some fundamental information from workhorse though in two minutes when we interview the cfo and maybe he'll change my mind or maybe he'll talk me into it but right now i kind of i still kind of like it i like it more than yesterday now yeah, there moves a couple bucks, but yeah. yeah, we were looking at the lows, you know, just above uh, 14, and then there was also that one low at 1365. What did you get to? You got to 1336. Yeah, so. I was saying we maybe stop yourself out at the low of the move, and so you could have got stopped out yesterday because exactly. it did take the move a little low out by 30 cents, which is two percent on a on a stock. So. It, it went down, it, and but, but then it turned around. And sometimes those are the best trades. You get down, you take out the low of the move, shake out people like me, maybe who have not for a swing trade, and then you go. I mean, and we know Jeremy Newsom loves to, you know, see that, you know, little undercut, and then the rally after that, and saying, okay, well now we've shaken out some weak hands, maybe DDD, and now we can run. <laughs> All right, want to want to do him at sports here before yeah. we uh, quickly do, quickly. Let's do HIBB. Uh, they pre-announced sort of yesterday. They they gave some guidance for their second quarter and the first half 
uh, of the year uh, comparable sales, and both numbers were good. They expected uh, Q2 comps to increase in excess of 70%. First half comps uh, increased about 20%. It's dragging up Nike, dragging up Dick's with it this morning, but HIBB is one of your big gainers of the day. The outdoors play. This is the outdoors play. We've been talking about the outdoors trade. Kramer's been talking about the outdoors trade. This is one of the classics on the outdoors trade. And you are seeing, you know, sympathy moves across the board. I know I have 30 seconds, but you're right. Dick's Sporting Goods is trading up 4% on it. Nike is trading up on it. Foot Locker is up 7%. We're seeing that pop as well. Deckers, I'm assuming, is probably going to trade higher on this. Um, You can go into the little ones like BGFV. That's trading up 7% on it as well, which is big five sporting goods. So the outdoor play is back on. Uh, just nice confluence here with that pre-market high. Uh, your pre-market high comes in at 29.61. And on your dailies, let me switch over to a daily chart here. Getting back up here, folks. Look at that. I just snuck this in here. That was 29.08. If I could go back a little bit farther. Um, I see a, a 30 high. So the fact that you've already backed off that pre-market high, I think if you want to take some profits in this one, you may have to step out. I don't think we're going to get back to that pre-market high, uh, but that 29, 29.50 to 30, I mean, there's got to be a ton of stock at 30 for as long as since that, you know, since that stock has been up that area. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I agree with you, man. Good. The, uh, you know, the outdoor play, the sports, you know, people are doing things and outdoors and going to hibbit sports to buy it. All right. Our listeners asked and we delivered. We are joined now by the uh, CFO of Workhorse, Steve Schrader. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, well, what I was going to say before Joel interrupted me, if you, or Dennis interrupted me a few minutes ago, but I was going to say, everyone hit the like button if you want Steve to spend this time trying to convince Joel to move to the great state of Ohio. But <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen probably. Steve, uh, for our listeners who aren't aware, uh, explain the opportunity in last mile delivery, because that's essentially the same box that you play in. Yeah. So last mile delivery, think of kind of a UPS, DHL, FedEx, kind of the big trucks, the thousand cubic feet trucks. Um, and um, but also think of kind of also like what Amazon uses, like the Mercedes Sprinter, uh, the Ram Promaster, the Ford Transit that you see in the neighborhoods, too. So that combined market replaces vehicles to the tune of like 300,000 a year. And it's an 18 billion dollar market. So although sometimes that market isn't sexy enough for the big players, it's certainly sexy enough for us and, and a big market for us to take an, uh, get a share of our market share. So Steve, we solicited questions from our listeners and from our chats and uh, pretty much the only thing on everyone's mind is uh, the outcome of this U.S. Postal Service contract that we're waiting for. Do you have any insight as to uh, when, uh, when you may hear about that? So I can't say too much about that, unfortunately, for your listeners. What I can say, though, is what's public. So the post office in the March uh, time period of spring of 2019 um, had six companies go through prototype and durability testing. We were one of those companies. We were the only all-electric option. um, And we were also one of the three American companies that went through the prototype testing. Um, And they issued a RFP in December, late December, and the submissions uh, were due July 14th, so last Tuesday. Um, So 
Um, that's about all I can say. What I will say is our all electric though is probably the perfect vehicle for them. So it, when you think about what the post office does, 70% of their trucks go about 17, 18 miles a day and make 700 stops, mailbox, mailbox, mailbox. So it, ours runs almost like a golf cart. So that's really more what you need. Right now they get five to six miles per gallon. Ours get over 40 miles per gallon equivalent. And we have half the maintenance costs, which is really what's killing the post office right now because we have no transmission and about a third of the components. Um, so we'll see what the post office does. Uh, I, this contract, I think, could represent as much as $6 billion in value. Fair to say that it's, it's the biggest catalyst for the, for, the, for the business right now? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's a great opportunity for us. So obviously, if, if we were to get a, um, the full award or a decent size award, that would be transforming for the company. Um, but from the standpoint of our current business, we like that as well. You know, so we currently have our C-Series, which is C, C1000, C650, and C450. And that, those are all cubic feet sizes. So those are what competes. So the C1000 would compete with the big trucks you see right now of UPS, FedEx. Um, and the C40 and 450 and 650 would compete with, with the Mercedes Sprinter and the ones I talked about earlier. So we think those all compete. We think right now we're the only electric vehicle option in that delivery market. We are actually making um, we are actually making trucks right now at our Union City, Indiana plant, um, and uh, so and we plan to make three to four hundred this year. Um, most of those will be at the very end of the year and the last quarter. Um, and we also have uh, a back order of eleven hundred uh, vehicles. So we already got sales out there and orders from UPS and DHL. In addition to that, we own 10% of Lordstown Motor Corporation, which I think you're probably at least familiar with their endurance unveiling that uh, Vice President Pence was at as well. So, um, and we have a drone that is patented and comes right off the top of the truck. Um, so I think we have a lot actually going for us, even if we didn't get the post office. Steve, Dennis Dick here. Let's talk about the drone delivery. Um, where do you see this industry going? Because we hear about this, you know, that drones are eventually going to be bringing us their stuff, but you know, we don't see any of them really happening yet. Do you see the, the whole industry, the delivery industry, moving into drones as a more efficient way, or is this just going to be, you know, something, you know, that, you know, may, you know, not come to fruition? I, I would probably say that was, Dennis, the same opinion we probably had even last year. I think we thought the drone was a way to sell more trucks. And what happened was the virus. Right. So um, it, the interest in our drone that comes right off the truck and, and doing touchless delivery has just uh, taken off exponentially. And um, so from our standpoint, we actually went down to uh, Virginia and in front of administration and governmental officials in April, um, we, along with another company called Drone Up, um, ran about 50 missions. And what they wanted to see, how, did, how does that uh, interact from a standpoint of for and can be used for medical and emergency supplies. And uh, just a, for example, drone up had three people on the ground running theirs. Ours autonomously through software came right off the top of the truck, dropped the package and came back to the truck. So I think the interest even uh, cranked up from there as well too. So um, now if you want to do something commercially from a standpoint long-term with drones, or be a drone OEM, which I think is a possibility now and a, actually a legitimate business case that could rival a truck, you would need to get certifications from the FAA. And you need to get a type certification and a production certification. And those certifications take about 12 to 18 months. So I think even the FAA has, has 
understands that, you know, they want safety first for, for sure. But from that standpoint, they, it, it's, I think it's a real opportunity. I think it's more like two years away versus five years away. The, the drone business, uh, is, is that, uh, is that in California or, uh, cause I know that you've got different opportunities. You're, you're based in Cincinnati, but, uh, you're, uh, I'm trying to phrase my question correctly here, but I guess, is there any advantage to, to the drone delivery business being in California? Um, I'm not aware of any advantage right now that, that there's any new, unique laws in California or not, but we are based in Loveland, Ohio, and we've already run missions. We've done for about four or five years, we've run different missions here in Loveland and with different parties. So again, on a short-term basis, you're allowed to do that and get exceptions from the FAA. It's more if you want to really make this a commercial long-term business. Uh, you mentioned Lordstown Motors. You've got a 10% stake. Um, any plans that you can say to do anything with that, maybe buy more or just talk about like your, the, the stake in Lordstown Motors and kind of what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, they're a private company, so I th but they've been pretty public with what they're doing from a standpoint of their product. So they made the endurance pickup truck. I think they're trying to appeal more to fleet uh, fleets rather than maybe the commercial market necessarily. I thought they said that by uh, sometime next year, they're going to have them ready to go. Um, yeah, we have a 10% st stake. It's non-dilutive. Um, they also have the GM Lordstown plant, which is a 6 million square foot plant. So we, we talked about our own Union City facility from a standpoint of it, ours is 250,000 square, square feet and it could handle uh, if we got a post office award and what we're trying to do. But you also have a, as a uh, an owner in like Lordstown, an option possibly and maybe to subcontract if it's you know, if it increase your margins and maybe not spend capital at uh, Lordstown or at Union City to maybe use Lordstown as a subcontractor since it's such a big facility and already kind of ready to go. Uh, just as far as just the, the last mile delivery competitive landscape, two of your biggest customers, as you mentioned, uh, UPS and, uh, and uh, DHL, of course, you're trying to work with the U.S. Postal Service, but I guess like talk about that landscape and, and sort of just who, who you're going, who are your main competitors, who, who do you see it as, as a big threat right now? Right now, we don't have a competitor. I think it's just us that is out there of all the certifications from a standpoint of we can sell in all 50 states and from a standpoint of we are actually producing and making them and we'll be delivering this year. Um, I think at different competitors, for example, that could be competitors like Rivian has thrown out that they're going to make a delivery van. But I think first they're making trucks and I, I think they're two or three years away from making, making a delivery van. So we kind of like our opportunity here that we got a, a two to three year head start on everybody. And we kind of understand and work with all these customers, understand the duty cycle. Um, the potential customers, you, you talked about DHL and, and UPS, which you already have sales orders for, but there's also, you know, there's FedEx, there's, we're working with Ryder right now because Ryder already has a lot of these customers that maybe not are as big as the, uh, uh, the UPS or the FedEx and maybe don't need a C1000, but want smaller vans and trucks that we make. Um, and they can accumulate 25 or 50 or 75 orders and they can also do the maintenance for, for their customers. So we think that's a great relationship. Um, and we're talking to everybody you would think of from a standpoint. I think their biggest question is not, it's not so much actually a, a sales and, and getting orders. It is actually, uh, I think they're just waiting to kind of say, how soon can we get them?
We're on the line with Steve Schrader, the Chief Financial Officer for Workhorse. Uh, Steve, let me let me zoom out here, and uh, you know, obviously the craze with uh, electric vehicles. Um, give us give us your perspective on on the car industry five years from now. Um, you have Tesla, Neo, Ford, GM, Fiat, Chrysler, Ferrari, the European companies. Do you see some sort of overall consolidation as you know more ride sharing and less cars are needed, and or, or and or do you see um, any bankruptcies in the sector? You know, I don't know about bankruptcies. What I will tell you is, uh, it seems like when you talk about the cars too, is because that's not our market. Um, but it seems like there's always consolidation when there's uh, an interest like this. So I, I can see that being a possibility. I think because is there so much competition there as well? Everybody wants to either do the pickup truck or the, the automobile, right? Um, and, the, and the EVs are hot. I think because those are the sexy areas, there's competition. I guess we like where we're at from a standpoint. There's not a lot of competition in the last mile delivery. Um, but they also want EVs too. A lot of the fleets... Um, have a, a goal to kind of have 30 or 40% of their new uh, orders be EVs going forward. And, um, and that actually, even though it's, it's, like I said, it's not the, the hot area and hot market, that is the fastest growing market. It grows about 15% a year and replaces 300,000 vehicles. So um, we're kind of just happy to be in that market. Steve, Workhorse has been public now for uh, a decade, actually. Uh, so how do you explain the re-enthusiasm uh, in, in the stock that, that wasn't there two months ago? I think it was when I was hired. Good <laughs> <laughs> um, answer. <laughs> I think honestly is what has happened. We certainly got caught up in the EV um, uh, uh, interest. Um, and from my standpoint, I think from relative comparison, I think is where it really kind of came out. So here's, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, let's look at Nic- Nikola, you know, so Nikola's taken off and it's multi-billion dollar company and here, and still it's probably two years away from making anything. Right. And I think what uh, investors have done, um, and again, you guys are the experts more on valuation than I am, but I, I think what the es- investors have done is at least looked at a wor- little, little workhorse here and said, look, not only are they making vehicles right now, they always have, they already have orders. Um, in addition to that, they have a drone and they have an opportunity with the post office. And I think relative comparison and, and just to being a billion half dollar company, I think we look pretty well. Steve, one more question. What happens if, say, hypothetically, you don't get the, the post office contract? Um, you, you've talked about some of your other businesses. Where, um, obviously, is your focus going to go to then? I think it's, it's on the C-series and the drone. I think, again, the, the post office to me, I always refer to as the cake on the icing because it's so big. Yeah. Um, but from a standpoint of uh, the actual business, what I'll call is non-post office business, we think it's great. We think uh, we like our place in it. We like how big that market is. And just getting a bit, uh, uh, even a portion of that market share of an $18 billion market is, is quite a bit of uh, opportunity for us. In addition to the drone, like I said, could be its own business case by itself. Um, so I think we like where we're at and we like our position, even if we didn't get the post office. Um, we'd certainly welcome the post office opportunity as well. I just want to repeat what you said earlier. You're still on track, uh, you said, to uh, deliver three to 400 uh, vans this year. Uh, have you announced your, your upcoming earnings date, or can we get some uh, – is that public information yet? We haven't yet. We probably will do that in next week or so. Okay. Um, for This is for the June – 
June quarter, right? Yeah. Okay. The June so, quarter really be yeah. in early August sometime. Early August. Okay. Um, and what was I? I had I had one more question for you, um, and now I just kind of uh, lost my uh, left my mind here. But I, I think maybe Dennis kind of asked my question, which is just what kind of what you would do uh, hypothetically in in light of using the the USPS contract. But uh, I guess to wrap it up here, Steve, where best case, worst case, where's the company in in two years? Oh, in two years, best case, I guess we get the post office contract. <laughs> we also uh, have a lot more orders and we're producing to the tune of maybe two to 3,000 vehicles a year in the C-Series. Um, and best case from a standpoint of the, the drone is actually maybe we've got certification, FAA certification, and it's a legitimate maybe drone OEM business. Um, worst case, I guess, is we don't do any of those things, right? <laughs> I mean, worst case, but I, I don't see that happening. I just see we got a great management team here and I think we've just position ourselves really well and, and we're looking forward to kind of going forward. Steve Schrader is the Chief Financial Officer of Workhorse. Steve, we thank you for the time today and uh, stay safe out there. Crazy you time. Too. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you like that interview, uh, like uh, our video, like our channel. If no one likes it, I'm going to assume, if no one likes our channel and no one likes the video and no one hits that like button, I'm just going to assume that nobody liked that and then we'll never do that again. Uh, but uh, we thank Steve. Hit the like button. Yeah, hit that like button. We appreciate it uh, as always. So uh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, and, you know, Steve is very, you know, clear on a lot of things. And, you know, he's hopeful they get that contract. I mean, they get that contract. It's huge. There's no doubt, you know, that the stock's performance, if you just want to talk to stock, is going to be linked to that contract. Yes. So, you know, it, will they, you know, recover? You know, if they don't get the contract, stock is likely obviously to get hit significantly. If they, if, if they do get the contract, it's likely to rally. So you have an event here. And I don't know if we have a projected date. I don't know if they have a projected date. Like obviously said, they said what they could, that, you know, they've done, you know, they've went into some, you know, obviously some testing and they, they're, you know, they're in there. They're, they're in there and they think that they've got a shot at getting it. And they get it. There's obviously going to be a huge pop. So you have an event here eventually coming. We don't know the date of it yet that there's going to be a significant move in the stock, either up or down, depending on the results of whether they get that contract or not. But it sounds like Steve, you know, is still comfortable with the company, even if they don't get it. You know? And so obviously you've got to reevaluate from that perspective if you're trading it, but you've got to look at the stock. If you're trading it today, it's going to be a lot, you know, dependent on that contract. You know, one, you know, one thing and just throwing out a, a crazy fundamental thing is, um, you know, how long is the post office going to be around? You know, Joel, you I say mean, some crazy stuff, man. <laughs> Spencer's laughing. <laughs> what? Okay. What are you talking about? Or in the same form that it is. Joel goes off. He has these dreams. No, no, no. Didn't Trump talk about getting rid of the post office? <laughs> what? No? Did I dream that up? You know. dream. You're, you, you, once you get a little bit older, like Joel, you get a little. There's going to be a lot less. You get a little mail. senile. You start oh, confusing be, your dreams uh, okay. with reality. I don't think anybody's time will get around. Oh, the no, post I can't. Okay. The future of the. Post I don't remember a headline about Come getting on, rid of the post Come on, someone, help office. me out in the chat. What are you going to do? All okay. What's your alternative to the post office? How much mail do you get? A lot. My, I already think in a mail? digital world you wouldn't get that much mail, but my mailbox is still full. It's all bills. It's all horrible yeah, stuff. I'm like the chat's down. backing me up. Look at that. <laughs> no, yeah, not. go chat. Yeah, look at that. You guys, That's you laugh at me. Joe wants to get rid okay, of the post I office. I won't say they're going to get rid of the post office. I will say, just like anything else, things evolve. They lose money, right? Aren't Here's they just right. a loser? Doesn't the post office just lose a ton of money? 
doesn't every government run business lose money? <laughs> right, right. The Why do you think twenty six trillion in debt? Look at that. Look how many people are saying how how correct I am. Could there be less mail in the future? Would be a good you know way. Maybe not getting rid of it and jumping to conclusions that less mail equals no post office at all. I mean, yeah, we're in a digital world. We used to get you know mails. We used to get like birthday cards in the mail, and you know you get the odd birthday card, but they all come email form or Facebook. I mean, but the bills, you know, and yes, you can go paperless and there's a lot of businesses that are going paperless. So could, you know, the question is, is it going to be less mail in the future? I would say yes. Are we going to get rid of the post office altogether? I would say no. There's always going to be certain, you know, essential services and it's something that you need. I mean, my bills still show up. There's still, you know, different things, obviously, that show up in the mail. I don't know. It's half of it's junk mail that you get all the time. Well, you have to get rid of the junk mail. And you well, need- the junk mail is tough. So, you know, that's, you know, half of it's coupons. I kind of like the coupons. I get those I, almost pizza I would coupons. Say- What's the last time you used a coupon? Well, I don't eat. I don't really eat out now. So since COVID, <laughs> everything's changed. But yeah, it, I I use the coupons. The NW coupons used to show up. I'd be like, yeah, I'll eat a burger or the Domino's pizza coupons show up. Yeah, I'll use that. So I, I will. I will say where that uh, we are getting some great responses to that uh, off. Uh, you know that off comment there. You, a lot of oh people. Oh yeah, you got everybody me. wound up now. And a, lot, a lot of people are telling me I'm crazy, which you know my wife. Does I don't think Steve wanted basis. to hear that comment. No. I'm <laughs> I'm glad you didn't throw that one at Steve. I didn't want to throw that at Steve. I wouldn't do that. Here's here's what I would would say. No one needs the post office until they really, really need it, right? Like when you need it, you need it. You need to get something out there. Um, And I'm going to say the post office has a future based on the fact that stamps.com is is up 175% year to date. So uh, based on that alone, but it's it's a good comment. It's food for thought. If, If that ever comes down, I'll short stamps. And we can we can play it that way. Um, I want to get to some tickers from the chat here. We have five minutes left sure. in our show. We were asked about Walmart uh, from the long side, so let's take a look. How at is Walmart fast. doing? Here, uh, let me. Uh, if you want to pull up your charts and we can yeah, take- yeah, Dennis, you talk. You know that will give me at least two I minutes mean, to bring up the you- chart. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting here near all-time highs. And you're kind of got a flag going on. What do we mean by that? It's a sloppy flag, but you got, I could see a little flag happening here. And it looks like it's, it's consolidating to go higher. So just from a technical perspective, um, and you think about, you know, even from a fundamental perspective, Walmart's still firing on all cylinders. And from a technical perspective, it looks like it's consolidation to go higher. So I kind of like it. It's not going to move like Tesla. But we could set up a trade here for you, you know, and if you use the double bottom that we had back from July 13th and July 14th, 128.89, 129, say you stop yourself out 128 and a half, you risk yourself three bucks saying, I think Walmart's going to break out, go to all-time highs and and be above 140. Um, It's not a bad setup here. You know what? You know what? It had. Boy, it, I have not looked at that since it had the big move, and it had the big move two days of consolidation and another big move. So it, it's holding on to these gains. I, I have to agree with you here that, you know, that bump up, consolidation, bump up, a little consolidation, another bump up, a little consolidation here. Yeah, this chart trading up 63 cents here in the pre-market trading. Yeah, I have to agree with you on this one. It uh, They pounded this thing off after earnings and then just was a sleeping giant here under 120 yeah. institutional accumulation. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that it, I mean, I haven't even looked, I was gone last week, so I didn't follow up much after that, that big update. 
But the fact that it didn't give anything back on that, uh, boy, it looks strong. I, I agree with you on that one. Um, and I think Walmart will be around in, in five, ten years. Yeah, I think so, too. Oh, that's a good call. Okay, tickers. Yeah, one minute. Uh, We're going to do four more. One minute each. Here, uh, SHLL. This is the SPAC that's merging with... What's this uh, one got in it? What? This is... What, what's the SPAC going to be? I was about to tell you, and you interrupted me. I was trying to say... Well, that it's, was, I, I, it's my maid to interrupt you. This, this merging with a Hylion. This is the... Uh, this is actually a... You could say a workhorse competitor. They're... Uh, they do electric trucks. So this is part of the electric truck trade. I love the double bottom from the last two days, 2120, 2130. So um, you buy this, you stop yourself out. You can just do this for a short-term trade. It's a nice clean stop out. I'd say stop yourself out 21 bucks, risk a buck and seeing the upside. I don't mind this at all. Um, again, don't get stuck with these. These, these you know, SPACs can really move in both directions. They're wild. They are high risk. You know, even LCA, people have all been following me into LCA. And yes, I have a big position in LCA, but it's still high risk. So knowing, you know, that, you know, the, you know these things obviously, you know, can go down significantly as well. So, you know, I'm only using speculative capital into stuff like this, not putting all my eggs in one basket, but I like the setup. I like the double bottom. I think you got a clean stop out under 21. So if you buy it here at 22, risk yourself a buck. I don't mind that trade at all. It's not a double bottom. It's a quad bottom. Go back to July 13th and July 14th, 2120, 2145. So four lows in the same area. Yeah. don't I like do, this area. Yeah, I don't. It had a down day yesterday, a little bit higher volume, but clearly, clearly you have an out there. Uh, so once again, I'll, I'll agree with you. Important to take out this uh, 2259 uh, because it really opens up into the 23 handle after that. Uh, 20, 2364, 2333, and 2395. So if it could just take out that high from yesterday, I think you got room to the middle, $23. All right, we spent two minutes on that, so we went a minute over time. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Quick, Spencer. Should I hold Microsoft through earnings, guys? I am. I'm long it, and I intend to hold it long. I have it in the long-term investment portfolio. Again, same thing. Depends on your time frame. If you bought this for a trade, Short-term trade, I don't hold any short-term trades through earnings. If you bought this and sticking this in your long-term portfolio, I don't see why Microsoft is going to, you know, it could get, you know, anything can happen off earnings. Um, so it's always a wild card, but I'm comfortable to hold Microsoft. I'm in from 149. We know this was one of the stocks that I bought back in March that, you know, I thought was going to be okay either way. And I've held it since then. I can, I plan on continuing to hold Microsoft. Uh, stock still fine. Josh told you to buy that sellers. one. You bought that when uh, Josh yeah, was on the show. Yeah, it was. Oh, I get all these trades from the Rasnicks. Uh, two, I mean, once again, also going into a trade here. I mean, if you're holding this long term, who cares about the report? 216.38 is your all-time high. 214.32 is your all-time closing high. Uh, if you're worried or something or you want a little protection, of course, buying puts is expensive be super expensive. but if you really feel like you have to do something then you know you could write you could write some calls or you know do something against it yeah yeah or actually sell the stock or sell part of the position but much based on your time frame and your investment horizon all right, I, I want to tease who one, we... One more, one more ticker. One That's more? Oh, oh yeah, just, we're going just, over time. I just took the charts away from Joel, so we'll have to Throw go... it again. Joel, I'll, I'll you can do the chart, Spencer. All right, um, we're being you asked in multiple, in multiple chats about HTBX, Ford Slow Drive. Never looked at this. I think it's... HT, in, heat Biologics? 
Yeah, yes. I've never uh, seen this stock before in my life. Obviously, I, my filters probably don't pick up the $1 stock that it was uh, four days ago. I have no idea about the story. It's been hot as hell. Hot stocks get hotter. I mean, if you're if you are in this, you want to see it get above that 399 um, because that's where the high was yesterday. But you know, it's continuing to go up. The trend's your friend. If I was along this thing, I would stop myself out at under 274, which is yesterday's low. If you want to sell the all-time high, you better get your order out at 152,900. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me there's been a few reverse splits. Yeah. Uh, it's on a march. Let's just go here. I think that what I would – I don't know if I'd be buying it. Thing. For me, I would look for – I mean, you've had increasing volume, 30 million, 74 million, 240, 180, 206. So – when the volume calms down and it consolidates, then it might be going down. Right now, just hard to pick. You did trade a little bit higher in pre-market trading up to $3.99. So use $4, whole number, possible. No, actually, that was from yesterday's session. So tough call on this one. Let's just use yesterday's high. I believe, yeah, $3.99, $4, psychological resistance. That's about it. All right, I want to preview who will be on our show 48 hours from now, as a matter of fact. Uh, Thursday at 9, we'll be joined by the CEO and the CFO of Electra Mechanica. You might know the ticker is SOLO, S-O-L-O. -O. Oh, yeah. So get your questions ready for the CEO and the CFO. It'll be a joint interview. It'll be tough with, uh, uh, of, with Electra Mechanica. That'll be Thursday's show. Uh, in the meantime, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always catch our podcast or rewatch the show on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, smash that like button. We appreciate it, and it uh, gives us motivation to go out and get more CEO interviews. So we appreciate that. A lot of likes today. Thank you very much to all of you in our chats. Uh, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Tuesday, wherever you are. Stay safe and... Good luck. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.